1: Red Sox Speed is back on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and visual content, even in these ridiculous, rough, challenging times. We're going to do this for you once a week and get you up to speed on what we know. This is Josh Lewin. Ian Brown is going to join us momentarily, MLB.com, redsox.com. He, in fact, just got back recording this on a Tuesday, he all the way through Monday we're still knocking around camp, and since I'm a not even in New England, I'm out here in Solana Beach, California, which is my off-season home, feeling a little guilty, actually. I mean, it's bright and sunny out here, and even though we're all supposed to say stay indoors, there's enough going outside and just kind of walking on the beach. Uh, it's en- enough social distancing that you can do with that. But uh, let's get into it with Ian. We will talk some actual baseball. Got a uh, A little bit with Andrew Benintendi to play for you later in the podcast as well. These are all, yeah, they were supposed to be seamless, happy uh, moments, little vignettes from spring training, get to know you segments about the guys. So I hope they don't strike a wrong note. And we're going to be just talking about general happy stuff later on. So let's start with the doom and gloom and the, uh, the abject panic and the anxiety and the stress that that we're all going through. And, And Ian, I'm just curious When you made your way back, I mean, give me your travel log, if you don't mind. Yeah. How scary was it and all of that?
0: Yeah, I like to backtrack, Josh, about a week, actually, because, um, you know, every spring training, I cover pretty much the entire spring training, but I always go home in the middle for like, you know, a a five or six break, five or six day break to see the family. Um, So I flew home on Thursday night, March 5th, and the Corona thing hadn't really taken off at that point. I did think, you know, I was sitting at the gate waiting to get on my flight to go home and, you know, I saw three or four people uh, walk off the plane wearing masks. So it was kind of like, well, this is different, you know, things are really sort of starting to change. And, uh, you know, as I was home for those few days, you know, things were starting to escalate a little more and a little more uh, to the point where they were that was when they were talking about how the access rules would change for reporters and they were going to close the clubhouses. Um, So I I went back on on Tuesday night. I think uh, Tuesday was actually the first day that the MLB clubhouses were closed and they were having press conference settings with reporters. So I didn't quite know what I was coming back into. Uh, Flew back uh, Tuesday night, kind of um, in the back of my mind, like, is spring training going to keep going on, or, you know, wh- wh- you know, what's going to happen here? So it was a weird feeling getting on that plane going back to Fort Myers uh, last Tuesday night. Uh, the Red Sox had a, had a night game on Wednesday, so I got to the ballpark at JetBlue Park at around uh, 1 o'clock, and I saw this, uh, you know, this setting where, you know, players were coming outside to talk to the media, and I was just talking to Kevin Pillar. And at that point, we're just talking about baseball, Josh. I mean, at that point, there was no real – um, t- you know, we were starting to hear at that point, OK, Seattle's going to have to move their first few games to a different location because Seattle's just like a war zone in terms of the coronavirus. So hearing little things like that, but nothing about how baseball was going to be shut down. So I'm just talking to Pilar about baseball for, you know, probably 10 minutes. And he's a chatty guy anyway. And then, uh, you know, I drive up to Port Charlotte for the game. And just it was a bizarre night, Josh, because I think it was about the sixth or seventh inning. When this craziness with the Utah Jazz, I think it was the Oklahoma City game, um, right. was was called off. Five minutes before it started, you know, a doctor comes running out onto the floor to stop this game. Don't let this game start. So we're in the baseball press box. You know how fast word spreads now. We we came into the game thinking about Eduardo Rodriguez and him nailing down his opening day starting nod, which they ha- hadn't become official yet. But we're just thinking about baseball things. And all of a sudden it just became this surreal thing. And then you find out that uh, Rudy Gobert um, tested positive and the NBA definitively and quickly shuts down their season. So that's like, okay, this is this is real. Um, it was really weird talking to Ron Renike, uh after the game that night because we asked just a few token baseball questions. We didn't ask him about the other stuff really because, you know, he was managing the game, so he probably didn't have any idea what was going on. So we kind of left Port Charlotte that night, you know, not ha- having any idea. Uh, when we were going to see baseball again, uh, because you could tell, you know, N- NBA was shutting down. NHL was probably going to shut down the next day. Uh, baseball was going to make some sort of decision. And then uh, Thursday was an off day for the Red Sox. So while many other teams were playing um, great league games last Thursday. Still, even after the NBA had shut down, which really felt weird, um, the Red Sox had an off day. And I was sort of sitting around my condo just waiting to see what was going to happen. And then get the email at about uh, 3.08 p.m., I think it was, that uh, MLB has canceled the rest of spring training and at least the first two weeks of the regular season. So at that point, it's kind of like, you know, what do we do? Because there were different things coming out at first, Josh. At first, it sounded like, well, even though the spring training games were shutting down, um, a lot of teams were going to be business as usual. They were going to stay at camp. Players were still going to work out. They were going to try to stay sharp. And so you didn't know what this meant. I didn't know what this meant for me as a reporter. Was I still gonna be able to talk to guys, albeit with the six foot distance rule? Will there still be sort of daily access? I think at first the thought was there might still be some daily access. So I'm sort of just in a holding pattern really in Fort Myers um, over the weekend, just waiting to see what's gonna happen. And then you get the message, I think, uh, was it Friday or Saturday, where uh, I think it was Friday night, where MLB um, sent, sent the memo that not only was spring training over, but they had suspended operations at all, all the camps. You know, So at that point, I have a pretty good idea my spring training is done. You know, There's not even going to be much to do for, as far as from a reporting standpoint. I was still sort of waiting it out through the weekend just to see if there was going to be any kind of um, definitive action plan. And, and I think a lot of the, at that time, Josh, I think a lot of the players were unsettled. They didn't know whether to leave camp or whether to stay down there. Um, and I think gradually what's happened, Josh, is you've seen guys leave. You've seen guys start to, you know, at first they were like, all right, let's stay sharp. But now they realize that they're in for a prolonged shutdown here. And yeah. they're also realizing that they want to be, uh, you know, with their families and they just want to be safe during this time. And group, crowded groups around batting cages aren't the best way to sort of be safe right now. So, right. You know, yeah, I
1: mean, I'll, I'll share with you. I mean, I, kind of a parallel universe, but I mean, I was at the Pac-12 tournament in Vegas since I do UCLA basketball. And, you know, business as usual at first, you know, guys going out to dinner, the whole thing, you yeah. know. But he just kind of doing fist bumps instead of handshakes, and then it became elbow bumps. But you're still thinking, okay, you know, this is kind of gonna yeah. not really mushroom that badly. And then the the way the dominoes just started to let like on eight times speed just yeah. started to fall. So you know, I mean, it, one minute you're, I mean, in my case, I'm prepping for UCLA against Cal, then you're told yeah. don't go to the arena, just pack up and go home. And then in the time that it takes to get home, baseball is coming out with, well, you know, we're going to be slightly delayed. And then it's, you know, I mean, as you know, very soon after it was eight weeks at the earliest. And yeah. so it, it is very changeable. You were not yet on the beat. Uh, you're, you're not old enough to have been on the beat in 2001 when nine eleven happened. But it, yeah, it was actually,
0: terrifying. I was I was I was. Well, I was you, I, you, I, no, you weren't. How old was, are you? I was actually at, my first year was 2002, but I was just going to say 2001 was my first year working for um, MLB.com, and I was actually, I was actually based in New York at the time. I was like a regional writer, so I remember that that story profoundly, and I remember, you know, living, you know, we lived in Queens at the time, and we could smell the smoke from Manhattan, and I remember going to Shea Stadium, because they had turned that into like a a loading station for donations and things like that so yeah i do remember that time not as a b right. right for the red sox but i do right. remember 9-11 very well but remember how quickly it became
1: apparent because like you know to me i was actually in detroit at the time i was getting ready to do a tigers game and as the day unspooled it's like wow you know we're not playing ball tonight obviously yeah, yeah. That, that, so, and, but then to start to realize wait a minute are we ever going to play ball again you know i yeah. mean it it went from that to that in almost no time so in this new world order that is so rapidly changing and again by the time people are downloading and listening to this it, it might have changed again when yeah. you left and and talked to the last remaining people that were down there what was the general sense as of that i guess day before st patrick's day i mean where people th- i mean people now are saying ha ha angel hernandez the umpire walked off the field and said see you guys in june and everybody yeah, was yeah. like, oh, please, Angel, come on. Yeah. Now we're thinking it might be July. I mean, so yeah, what... I mean,
0: yeah. I mean, Jerry Remy said something similar to me when we were... You know, when I saw him in the elevator at Port Charlotte, you know, where I think Angel and I think Jerry had the same, I don't think they had any inside information. I think they're just thinking, you know, this is crazy. This could be, uh, this could be a long time. So who knows, Josh, I think, like you said, I think a best case scenario right now is that they're going to play, would be playing baseball in June, maybe ramping up some sort of spring training again um, in May at some point. So I think that's best case, but you just have to see how the events are evolving here and uh, you know, Kevin Gregg called me on Sunday around. He's the Red Sox PR director. He called me at about noon Sunday and just said, just a heads up, I'm flying home with my family tomorrow. So that was when I was like, okay, uh, PR staff is leaving. I guess I I can go home now too. There's not really going to be anything to do um, at the ballpark. So yeah, it was a straight, you know, the airport was, I don't know, it was pretty much business as usual yesterday. Other than, you know, a lot of people were wiping down their seats with the disinfectant wipes and all that. But uh you know, it was wasn't really anything out of the ordinary. My flight was actually pretty full, I think, because a lot of people were just wanted to get back to Boston because you don't right. know when the air travel is going to be grounded or whatever. So that's kind of where we are. And it's like now you get home and it's like this is weird. I've never been home for the off season in in uh, March it, 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 before. I, <laughs> you hey, know? but real quick, Ian, I, I gotta mention to people, and, and it's weird in the in the gambling
1: space for sure. I mean, in Vegas, I can tell you, walking through what was just a literally a ghost town of a sports book. And the only thing that was on was, you know, like the last, I think it was Pirates <laughs> spring training game it was like, they're the last of the Mohicans. Yeah. But got to mention that with no NBA, NHL, MLB, bet online still has a lot of things going on. Hundreds of places to wager from their online casino to poker and blackjack. That's going to be big now. They're all open 24 hours a day. And all online. So, whether it's esports, I mean, whatever's still going on, if you're in enter- entertainment, you can bet on American Idol. You can bet on the elections and the, the spelling bee, and, and even the Nathan's hot dog eating contest, assuming that's going forward. So, be sure to use promo code CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, or your full access wagering solution. And, you know, here we are. We are all now kind of looking for alternate programming, so to speak. Yeah. And, uh, I'll, I'll give a quick shout out, actually, to, to the other thing that I'm involved with on CLNS, and hopefully people are finding it. I, I'm, I'm hoping you found it, too, Ian, because the Red Sox actually were just a part of this. The uh, the throwback league is something that I started about a month ago before all this chaos and nonsense came down. But it's basically uh, replacing March Madness, as it turns out here. It's a 48-team bracket, just like March Madness would have been. Well, almost. I mean, that's 64 teams, obviously. But it's the 32 World Series teams from basically uh, our generation, Ian. I mean, it is mid-70s yeah. to the mid-00s. I threw 16 at-large teams in there to round out the field, seed them all, and the games are played, simulated with the uh, the computer algorithm that we use, the whatifsports.com, which is a great website, too.
0: Oh, yeah, I, lo- I love WhatIfSports. Yeah, you know, it's yep. the best.
1: So I, I just take that play-by-play that spits out. I mean, it tells me what happened when the 85 Royals were matched up against the— uh, who did they play? I can't even remember now. Maybe Cardinals. the yeah. Cardinals. Well, no, no. For real, Sam, I think they played like the 3 Yankees or something like oh, that. Okay, so, yeah. You know, you got uh, Raul Mondesi leading off against Danny Jackson, which <laughs> just kind of blows your mind. So, uh, yeah, it's like opening up a pack of baseball cards and, and reanimating them. I'm bring bringing these teams back to life and these players back to life. I go into a, a home studio, record the play by play with sound effects and all that. And they drop as a podcast every Monday. It's called the Throwback League. We'll have the, uh, I guess, the 48th and final game uh, about, geez, right around Christmas or something like that. So uh, nice little time waste. If you haven't found it yet, we encourage you to. What's going to occupy your time? I'm going to ask you about <laughs> this this one column you just wrote, which is great. I mean, because it's you know yeah. five key spring training takeaways for the Red Sox, and that's an important column. But we might have to put a pin in it until the 4th of July <laughs> or whatever so yeah. what are we going to be doing and writing about between now and then
0: yeah you know we're just sort of starting to settle on that with with our bosses and we're having a, a staff uh, conference call tomorrow sort of talk about it you know where, where we go from here because this is this is a different time but I imagine it'll be uh, you know a lot of answering fans questions like mailbag type of stuff I imagine maybe we'll do some historical type of stuff because that might be time you know fun for people to read about right now but yeah, we'll come up for we'll come up with content. We'll come up with, with Red Sox fans uh with some stuff for Red Sox fans to read, you know, it's just a matter of, you know, how we're going to do it, when we're going to do it, and also finding out from the Red Sox, you know, are they going to have weekly conference calls and make, uh, you know, the manager, Ron Renneke, available, and maybe make some players available just to see what they're up to. So it's all kind of a – it's an unknown territory. So, you know, we'll we'll keep uh, busy with work, not as busy as usual, of course. And also I think a lot of us are going to be binge-watching some TV. Josh, I'm finally getting into Mad Men. It was one of those shows that was – I was getting on and off for a long time, and I'm finally just all in now, and I'm starting season four. So, just things like that, and just uh, hanging out with my family, because you know it's funny. My my wife's a school teacher, um, and she's out of school now until uh, April 27th. Uh, Same with my two high school age kids. Um, And my oldest is a sophomore at Springfield, Massachusetts College. But, you know, he's on spring break right now, but they're almost certainly going to go virtual online learning. They haven't announced it for sure yet, but I'm sure like almost every university in the area, they're going to go to virtual for the rest of the semester. So I doubt he's going to go back to finish his second semester of his sophomore year. So it's just kind of a, you know, a a different time where, you know, we're used to our family being in so many different directions. Everybody's busy, everybody's doing this, doing that. We're all just going to be kind of home. So it's nice. And it's also kind of strange at the same time.
1: Well, as we continue to practice our social distancing, uh, and again, family, thankfully, is not included in this. And I hope you guys can bond and and not uh, uh, get too cooped up and get ready to kill each other. But uh, (laughs) back to your piece, because, you know, at some point it is going to be relevant. And and my key takeaways from your key takeaways is that we still don't know about Chris Sale. Uh Erod and Ivaldi look great so far, but it was half of spring training. So that's all we got. Uh, where are you with the rotation right now? I'm, I'm mildly excited about the the Martin Perez edition. I mean, at least he eats some innings, kind of like a, a lefty Porcello to me. If that's all he is, that's fine. But w- where do you see the rotation once we get going again?
0: Yeah, I think I wrote this in the piece. But the thing I was really encouraged by, Josh, was um, – Eduardo Rodriguez and Nathan Evaldi, they just look ready for business this year. I mean, they just both look like guys who are ready to hold down that one and two spots in the rotation. I don't think it's much of a surprise with Rodriguez after you saw what he did last year. But Avaldi, there were a lot of unknowns with him you know, from last year where he was just wildly inconsistent, wasn't nearly the same guy he was in the uh, 18 postseason. So obviously that uh, workload of 18 took a toll on him, and he looks just back to where he was in 18. So I think that's exciting. Uh, but after that, there are questions, and you hope that, uh, like you said, Perez can be that Porcello type from the left side. He's throwing 95-96, so I think they thought all along if they could get, you know, some of their analytics guys with him and work with him and maybe that he'd get more out of him than we've seen from him before. So uh, mildly optimistic there, but yeah, there's a lot of concern about, you know, what are you going to get out of four or five um, Ryan Weber pitch very well. He's not a guy who's going to make your socks go up and down because he's just kind of a finesse thrower, but uh, he was doing a good job in spring training. He looked like he was close to earning the fourth spot in the rotation, and then the fifth spot is just totally a free-for-all. I think it is going to be an opener, it seems like, and I think guys like uh, Colton Brewer and Darwinson Hernandez, not necessarily as the guy who starts the game, but the guy who kind of fills that three innings in the middle of the game could become a very big part of that opener uh, scenario. So and then Sale, you know, this is weighing on all of us. It's just like, you know, is he going to need surgery or not? I think uh, he'd like to know he'd like to start um, uh, doing a throwing program soon and sort of figuring things out. So hopefully, even with the stoppage, we'll get a sense in the next few days of where, you know, where Chris Sale might be at and his, uh, you know, with his progression. You nibbled at the
1: edges of talking bullpen there for a minute, too. And you wrote about Ryan Brazier as a comeback yeah. Candidate, and, and I sure hope so. I know he worked a lot with Dave Bush and Pete Walker trying to smooth down whatever flaws there were in his yeah. delivery. Uh, a strong Ryan Brazier, I think, goes a long way once we're talking Red Sox bullpen again, right?
0: Yeah, and I think the bullpen is better than people think, assuming that Workman can sort of um, do what he did last year, which, you know, that that's a big if because he had never had a season like that before. So we'd like to, but he, he did look very good in spring training, Josh. He looked like the same Workman from last year. And I think Barnes is going to be better this year. I think that um, too much was put on Barnes in the early part of last season. He was asked to do too much Alex Cora kind of admitted as much so i think you're going to see matt barnes kind of get back to what he was in, in 2018 and there's a lot to like with guys like josh taylor and uh and darwin's and hernandez with the, with the stuff they have and uh hembry if you can get him if he's healthy again he's a, a pretty good pitcher out there so i think the red sox are pretty comfortable um in the bullpen they, they like what they have out there but yeah brazier definitely uh, if you can get him back then you can have a really good bullpen let me
1: ask about a couple more guys before I let you go, if you don't mind. You you wrote about yes. Jackie Bradley Jr. too, and I think that's a huge piece for this year. Whenever it gets going with Mookie off in LA, uh, you know the, the slumps were were long and they were there for for Jackie last year. He ended up hitting two twenty five, that was basically his worst in five years. Now he had a good spring training last year, and it didn't lead to did, much. Yeah. But you were liking the the spring training this year, and, and I guess the hope is it leads to something better.
0: Yeah, I do because I think Jackie is less—he's um, less mechanical with the swing right now. I think he's just letting himself be an athlete. And I think that last year he was thinking way too much. He went to see the the, the launch doctor guru, one of J.D. Martinez's guys. Um, in LA over last offseason. I think it just did more harm than good with Jackie. I don't think that launch angles for everyone, and I think it just tied his swing in knots. Uh, to be honest with you, because then guys started to adjust to it, started to pitch him differently, and I think now he's Jackie's a very athletic guy, and if he can just like let his instincts take over, Jackie's at his best when he's going to left field, when he's going to left center, using that wall, and then just pulling a pitch when the opportunity presents itself. But yeah, he looked uh, he looked much better to me that this spring, and I know like you said, he put up the good numbers last year but I think it was just um too launch angle heavy and I think that now he's kind of just getting better. And let's face it this is a big year for him too. It's a contract year for Jackie. So so he'd like to have a good year. Um just as much as the Red Sox would like to see him have a good year. Let me finish up with
1: another outfielder you wrote about and it's not JD Martinez because he closed very strong last year. His last 50 games or so he hit 324. The other guy that you did write about, uh, his last 50 games, he hit 203. That's Andrew Benintendi. And uh, it got even worse, actually, in September. He was hitting the 100s in September. So yeah. uh, I know we all hope for the best with Andrew. Where do you see Andrew Benintendi in 2020?
0: Yeah, kind of determined with a little chip on his shoulder to prove to people, look, the guy you saw last year, that wasn't me. And, uh, you know, I talked to him very early in spring training this year, and he just kind of admitted that he was – Uh, You know, he was chasing pitches he had never chased in his life last year, and I think that he just got off to a bad start. It snowballed, and he spent the whole year uh, trying to make up for it. Um, I think that physically he's in much better shape this year. I think he he would he got bulked bulked up a little bit last year because, yeah, you know, he's a guy who would lose weight through the course of the season. So he's trying to prevent that. But now he realizes that maybe that uh, you know that training program didn't uh, made him less flexible than he'd been in the past. And he's another guy who's at his best Josh when he's playing like an athlete, um, and 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 that's what I think Andrew Benetton is going to get back to doing. And I think he's really determined that he, to prove that he can lead off. And uh, he's led off a lot of his life, really, before he got to the Red Sox, whether it be, you know, high school, a lot in college, things like that. So it's a spot that he's comfortable with. And um, he, he didn't like the uh, narrative. I could tell he didn't like the narrative that was out there when spring training started. Like, oh, Bannon not comfortable leading off. So I think that he was immediately trying to disprove that. And he was jumping on pitches in these spring training games. And I remember, like, I think it was the second spring training game. He hit a home run of Minnesota on the first or second pitch of the game. So I think yeah, yeah he, he's determined to have a big year
1: yeah his I remember his first 41 first innings last year he was three for 41 with no extra right. base hits so we're all thinking yeah. why is this guy leading off but yeah, anyway yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna leave off right there kind of put a pin in it because I know you and I'll be talking again I mean frankly there, there's nothing else to do but talk right now <laughs> uh, I'm promising some some Andrew Benintendi sound for the rest of the podcast I'm gonna get to that in a moment here, but uh, Ian, thank you again. Great job as always. I'm so glad you got home safely, and hopefully, you'll continue to be safe. And, and in these very turbulent, uncertain times, wish you nothing but the best. I'll be checking back in with you.
0: Uh, you also, Josh. Hope we can get back to baseball before too long.
1: Yeah, you and me both. Thanks, pal. See you soon. You got it. Bert. Thanks, All right, Josh. Take care. Take care. And as we say goodbye to Ian, yeah, let me tell you guys, I do have this tape that, that I want to run from spring. All right, I do want to get you now to some sound from Spring Training with Andrew Benintendi. The uh, The tone might not quite work here, and, and for that I apologize, because again, about a month ago when I was able to tape this with Andrew, we had not really heard of coronavirus, and uh, it, it was just a lot of glad-handing and in-general kind of talk. But maybe that's what we need right now, maybe just some return to normalcy to talk to the the Cincinnati kid uh, who went off to St. Louis and now Nashville in the offseason. Cincinnati, though, he's so proud of that lineage. And that city, of course, had two very famous baseball natives, Ken Griffey Jr. and Pete Rose, come to mind. He's got the want to of Pete Rose, and and the swing when it's right is kind of Griffey-esque. But last year, he chased about 31% of the pitchers outside the strike zone. That number had been 24% the year before. That was part of the problem. And he's got to be part of the solution now because left field, as you guys know, in Boston is a big deal. And in the decade after Manny Ramirez, there was a the lavish spending on Carl Crawford, the trade for Joanna Cespedes. Uh, they thought outside the box with Hanley Ramirez and uh, they let everybody down. You know, there, it was more success just letting utility guys get out there. Bill Hall, Brock Holt, Daniel Nava, Johnny Gomes, But then you get your first-round pick, Ben Intendi, and you think maybe that's the jackpot—the the uh, the second number seven overall pick in a span of three years for the Sox. They missed pretty badly with the first one, the pitcher Trey Ball, the lefty from Indiana. Ben Intendi from nearby Cincinnati, proven to be a much more worthy number seven pick. And Ben Intendi, by the way, very nearly a Cub. Both teams wanted him in the 2015 draft, and uh, bizarrely, it was the in-season interleague series that previous summer that determined which team could get him. The Cubs swept the Sox at Fenway in early July of 2014. Boston finished two games worse than the Cubs that year, so the Sox picked seventh and the Cubs picked ninth. If the Sox won that series, the Cubs would have picked seventh, and the Sox are convinced that they would have grabbed Ben Benintendi instead of Ian Happ. So uh, who, who knows what all that could have been. Ben Intendi developed very quickly in the minors. A ball, he had the 23-game hitting streak. And at one point, he went 13 days, 60 swings, without a single swing and a miss. So he was supposed to be the next big thing. And we've seen glimmers of that. Certainly provided the the iconic postseason picture from uh, the 2018 postseason. The Air Jordan pose in front of the bright white standings on the green Fenway wall. The perfect screenshot. Great young player, makes a great catch at a great ballpark right in front of where it says the home team finished 61 games ahead of the Orioles. And I remember Dan Shaughnessy wrote a great column about Benny and and noting that Andrew is just so humble, he doesn't even own a copy of that picture. He's got nothing in a frame, hasn't made it a screensaver, nothing. And Shaughnessy's line, I'll always remember, he said, in a Liverpool talent outfield with John Lennon and Paul McCartney, Benny is George Harrison. He is the quiet Beatle. That's about right, if you know who the Beatles are. So, uh, without any further ado, we go back to when I was able to talk to Andrew Benintendi a few weeks ago. Um, And this is no baseball whatsoever. So, let's start with actually the move that you're about to make. You've been a proud St. Louisan for a little while. Why Nashville? Um, I don't know. I mean, I bought a
2: place there last year, and uh, I've always loved Nashville. I mean, I haven't even really been that much, but every time I go down there, it's a great time. Big country music guy, so... I got a few
1: buddies down there, too. So let me ask you about that, because that's what this interview is. It's no baseball. It's just people getting to know Benny a little bit better. I wouldn't have thought, growing up in Cincinnati, Ohio, that you'd be a country music guy, quite honestly. So how how did that happen? Um, Well, I remember
2: in third grade, I used to ride home with my aunt, um, Jackie, she, uh, she'd drive me home from school and there'd be country on, and I kind of picked it up yeah, picked from it there. Up, right. so, uh, so osmosis, yeah. basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but, right. I mean, there's it's right on the Ohio River, you know, it's close to Kentucky. It's right it there. True.
1: Yeah. But you don't have, I mean, it's all stereotypes. I mean, people here in Kentucky are like, oh, hillbillies, great. Right, you know. Right. Cincinnati, oh, you know, it's the skyline chili. right? Yeah, yeah. But you've done enough traveling now to know you can't put people in, in silos like that, right? No, I mean,
2: absolutely not. I mean... Um, you
1: know, I, if, I don't know guys from California who listen to
2: country and that's it. I right. so. well, run right. hillbillies so. in New York. So yeah, we'll right yeah so obviously, yeah. Yeah.
1: So, um, and this is not a hillbilly thing, but you're, we're talking, you've got the uh, the omnipresent red, white, and blue American uh, mm-hmm. bandana on right now. I'm not suggesting that's hillbilly, I'm just saying yeah. <laughs> that it's certainly not something that I'd see walking down the streets to New York City. What, um, what was the derivation of that? Because people ask me that a lot. I'm sure they ask you right. too. I don't know, I
2: mean, I'm I guess just proud to be uh in this country i mean every time i'm uh
1: i can you know support it by wearing you know i got some shorts too and right. my cleats well you and mitchy both it's funny when you walk by a moreland benintendi row in the locker room you almost want to salute <laughs> yeah, yeah
2: we like to you know we like to support our colors so um
1: just some pride i guess You've also got pride, I know, in uh, in your hometown. I want to ask you about Cincinnati again, if you don't mind. Your Bengals are going to be on the clock. Yeah. That must have been a tough year, dude. Yeah, I mean, it was tough to watch, but, <laughs> I mean, you got the number one pick now, so um, we're going to see what happens. When the, uh, the Bengals and Patriots played, uh, did you just kind of bite your lip and, and turn your phone off, or how did that go? <laughs> no, no, I mean, um, I turned Twitter off. That's no, funny. but, uh,
2: <laughs> no, I'll root for the Bengals. I mean, I've... As I've gotten older, I've become more of a fan. Just to, yeah.
1: You know, who were your guys growing up? Who, who were your big? Go- were you an Ocho Cinco guy, or who did you like? I don't. I'm not a big,
2: you no, know, individual player guy. I mean, okay. I think, um, I don't know. Hopefully, Joe Burrow. Hopefully, he'll be the next one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so right? we'll see. get
1: that jersey yeah, rolled no do, do you have an Andy Dalton jersey? I don't. Okay. No. no. Probably these days a wise, wise course <laughs> of action. Uh, Reds growing up, I got to mm-hmm. ask you. Um obviously that was a team that a couple times in your childhood got to be pretty good so mm-hmm. did you have specific guys that you rooted for growing up in Cincy
2: yeah um Griffey um Jay Bruce you know mm-hmm. growing up there I used to go down to the games Brandon Phillips you know, it, was, it was funny you know in 18 playing with Brandon Phillips and it right, was right. like I used to watch this guy it's it was you kinda, blow your mind a little bit yeah yeah I was like he's just right here like a normal dude right was, in he, was he as nice as you had hoped he would be yeah absolutely he's he's awesome um yeah. No, I've never heard a bad thing about him, so he's he's a good dude.
1: When you uh, look back on your, your baseball days, do you already have, whether it's a, a Brandon or I, I'm looking around this locker room right now, are there guys you know you're going to tell your grandkids like, I played with that guy, and it was so cool? I mean, yeah. are you already kind of making that list in your head?
2: Um, I think right now there's one, and it's just David Ortiz. Um, I think once other guys are out of the game, it, they'll be – it's better to say something then, but right
1: now when they're still playing, I don't know if I want to yeah, you know, admit that. Right, well, yeah. they might hear you anyway. Right right, right, right. And and this is a really weird one, almost like a philosophical one. But do you? It seems like you, whether you do this on purpose or not, I have no idea. But you live your life, you go about your business, almost like I have a feeling people are going to say that about you you know i mean you you, you treat people very well so wh- where did that come from is that your upbringing is that something that clicked with you where you saw okay i, I get it you know if, mm-hmm. you, you get what you give right, right. i mean so yeah. was that always in you or did you kind of pick that up
2: no i mean i think that's just the way i was raised my parents um just respecting other people i mean obviously there's gonna be times when you are not so nice to other people and yeah, you're a lot bad of days, known, right? Right? Yeah, exactly yeah, right. but um i try to be as nice as possible and um, especially in this, you know, this part of the job, and you have to talk to people and, and go out and you know, sign autographs. So, um,
1: doesn't cost anything. it be nice, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. So yeah. when you're not dreading that, like it's, it's pretty enjoyable. So uh, last one's for you, actually. Quick set of questions for you. Um, off-season. Pursuits. We've talked a little bit about following the Bengals, which I still mm-hmm. can't believe you do. Yeah. But <laughs> what, what else is occupying your day? You're a Netflix guy? What else happens yeah, when you got yeah, downtime? And,
2: uh, shows. I watch a lot of shows, movies, um, video games with some of the guys. Um, I like to golf a lot. Are you good? I'm getting better. Yeah. yeah. It takes some work. It does. I mean, once you, you know, during the season, I don't play, so you go. You know, six months without playing and then you got to pick it back up a lot yeah. of rust, yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly
1: what are your uh, Netflix go-to's if you don't mind me asking
2: um some of my favorite ones are uh, Ozarks Game of Thrones um Yellowstone I watched that last I year Yellowstone's
1: Yellowstone's real good that's
2: probably that's my top two wow so, yeah.
1: okay and movies do you, do you actually do people go to the movies anymore or do you just kind of wait and stream them or what do you do
2: yeah I, I usually wait and
1: catch them online but I, I went to a few this off season do you have over the last i don't know five six seven years are there movies that you're still thinking like man that was good i like that
2: uh i mean i always go back to my favorite movie being wedding crashers oh but good yeah. oh, you're bonding this <laughs> yeah. is yeah, very, yeah. yeah. all I right mean, i, I, I could watch that a hundred times in a row and i'm gonna laugh every single time
1: and so i gotta ask you this is because i'm kind of a connoisseur of, of will ferrell movies yeah, myself yeah. the last 20-30 minutes didn't undo for you because this is just personal, but I'm like, guys, end the movie that you, you've yeah, done it. That's enough,
2: right? No, I can see that, um, but I, don't know, I just love it so much. We, I look past we wouldn't that. have gotten
1: to Chaz yeah, exactly. if, if we didn't have exactly. those last 20 or 30. Do, do you um, recommend is there like a, an age cutoff that you now that Ooh. you would uh,
2: for that movie? Yeah, yeah, you I don't know. I mean, everybody I guess learns at different speeds and stuff like that, but probably a little older. Yeah, definitely yeah. not when you're,
1: you know, ten or lower. Favorite uh, scene? Do you have one particular? For me, it's always the quail hunt. Yeah, that's right? exactly what I was going to okay. say. Okay, yeah. all right. Uh, I, I will take. I will take this down the road yeah. right now. Get out of your way. Thank you, buddy. I right, appreciate it. Thank, thank you. Perfect. Thank you. All right, that's it. That's Andrew Benintendi in and happier times. We thank you for tuning in to Red Sox Beat. And we'll continue every week to give you some content. We'll talk to writers to get you up to speed on what's what. I'll have a interview for you, even if it is a little tone deaf uh, in, in these crazy times. Uh, maybe it is just the right thing to do to, to give you a, a little slice of when everything was normal, even just a few weeks ago. So that's the plan anyway. This is Josh Lewin. Appreciate you very much. It's called Red Sox Beat. Bye-bye.